0: You're listening to Charlottesville Connected, a podcast that gives you a chance to listen, learn, and be inspired by those making a difference in our community. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an episode of the Charlottesville Connected podcast. I'm your host, Amy Cochran. Today, we're happy to welcome guest Sarah Ellis to the show. Sarah is the fundraising coordinator at Shelter for Help in Emergency. Sarah, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Amy.
0: Yeah, of course. First, can you just give us a little bit of background about what Shelter for Help in Emergency is, how it serves our community?
1: Absolutely, yes. Thanks for the opportunity, Amy, to uh, get the message out to our community. The shelter has been in business, so to speak, for a little over 40 years now. Wow. Wow. Uh, And we provide assistance to victims of domestic violence in our area. We serve Charlottesville and uh, the surrounding counties. That's Albemarle, Fuvanna, Green, Louisa, Nelson. And we provide a full range of services to domestic violence victims. We're the only agency in that area that provides sort of comprehensive domestic violence services. And they can include emergency shelter for those needing to leave and be in a safe place. Mm. For those that don't need the shelter, they can get the full range of services just without the residential component. So we provide supportive counseling. We go to court if somebody is going to court. We accompany people to court and help them through that process not with a legal um person but with an advocate who helps sure. explain the the case and what's going on and provides supportive help we provide people with help to find new accommodation work childcare whatever it is that they need really to to move on with their life we're there to help support that process
0: well thank you for doing that it sounds like a very comprehensive plan that you all have there to really help in all aspects. And that's fantastic. And, you know, I had heard about shelter for help in emergency, but I had not realized that you all had been here for 40 years so that Mm -hmm. y'all know what you're doing, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, we, We do. We've, you know, we started very small back in the, Early days of what was then known as the battered women's movement, um, mm-hmm. when really people were getting together and just helping women leave dangerous situations and put them up in their own homes, but that then moved to a, a proper shelter situation, and that's what we've been doing now for a good number of years. Not everybody needs to go into shelter. Okay. Um, so you know, some people are. are, are understandably resistant to packing up, going to some strange place, but uh, we certainly provide services regardless of what the person's wanting to do. And how long have you been working there? Myself, I've been here for 10 years now, but I've been working in domestic violence for many, many years. Many
0: years. Well, thank you for all that you do. Can you tell us a little bit about just a typical day for, in I know you have an office location, and then there's a confidential location for those that need it. What What does that look like? Is, is, is there a large staff? There's a small staff? What, do you, what are you doing day to day? Right.
1: You know, it's a... The, I'm not sure there's any such thing as a typical day for the shelter staff. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start working in a crisis situation, anything and everything can happen mm. um, and often does. But we we run a 24-hour operation. We're never closed. And we have remained open all through the COVID situation, although we've had to change some of the way we provide our services, like many people But we are always open. We have a 24-hour hotline in addition to our emergency residential, which operates all the way around the clock. We do so on what I think is a pretty small staff. We have 15 Mm -hmm. full-time staff, and then we have five, five and six, part-time staff who cover us overnight and at the weekends. So we run a lot of programs on a, on a pretty small staff and we yeah. try to really manage our budget to make sure that our funding really goes to where it needs to, to the, the services for our clients. So a typical day, I mean, we can be busy in the shelter, we can be quieter, it, it fluctuates a good deal. A shelter has 25 beds. Okay. And we... Provide generally about, we, we provide shelter services, residential services to about 200 people a year with just over 5,000 nights of shelter. Wow. Um, people, that People often ask about men, our residential facility houses women and children only. Okay. If men need services, which they do, uh, we provide those the same. Uh, they're just housed in a different setting. Okay,
0: great. Thank you for clarifying that because I actually mm-hmm. did have that question on my mind because I know it's typically we think of women needing the help, but it does go both ways. Men also need help. You mentioned COVID briefly. How, how you know, I, I've, I've heard some statistics that are, you know, upsetting about a rise in domestic violence during, you know, this time of being mostly at home. People are pretty stressed about all different things. Is that something that you've all seen, that there has been even a greater need, or has it been pretty steady?
1: We have seen a greater need. You know, it's always a difficult question to answer the, the demand. I mean, I think there's a difference between the demand that we see and the level of domestic violence because, and what I mean by that is that domestic violence is a highly underreported
0: situation.
1: Mm-hmm. So, whether or not we're seeing more people doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on in the house. This is largely uh, a situation that ca- occurs behind doors. And is not seen and is often not reported. So that's the first challenge. Having right. said that, we have seen an increase in demand. Our hotline calls for mm-hmm. support and information have been up 60% during. Wow. And the- um, we have now seen an increase of about I want to say somewhere between 20 and 25% for our emergency. Services. Wow. So, yes, those, those are up. I can, I can tell you what we sort of have seen over the six months. I think initially it was, you know, when the lockdown, when the state mm-hmm. lockdown order came, things were quiet. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, understandably so, you know, suddenly everybody is forced home. Now, we knew for our victims, our clients, that that was probably the worst case scenario. Sure. Because if you're in a situation with pre-existing abuse and violence, that's not going to get any better when the door is closed. Certainly not. Nobody's looking. So we were very worried by that, the quiet. And I think women... We're trying to figure out, you know, how to reach out and whether there would be anybody to reach out to. Sure. So we knew that one of our first tasks was to get the message out that we were still open and available mm-hmm. and there. Uh, and so it, it wasn't long into the situation where before we, you know, things started picking up again and we were certainly hearing that, um, hearing from people and. And, and you're right, there have been, I, I've been reading plenty of reports from around the country and, and worldwide, in fact, mm-hmm. that the rates are definitely up. And, you know, unfortunately, it's to be expected, you know, they're the being right. restricted to home. And then even if, you know, even if you weren't experiencing it before, you know, the stress that's been created in some households. Um, one way or another, I'm right. sure has brought that tension to to the fore and increased. Right. Yeah,
0: it does. Yeah, I'm probably in some homes. I'm sure it hasn't brought out the best in people. And mm-hmm. while I hate to hear that the numbers have gone up, with this being so silent in a way, it sounds like there is almost some relief that you were getting those people reaching out because it was more concerned, knowing they're out there, more concerning Mm -hmm. when it was quiet. I just think what you all do is so important. And I knew about, like I I started off saying this, I knew about Shelter for Help in Emergency was here in our area. And after hearing a national report about domestic violence, the uptick in it, You know, I just thought we're all very, it's hard for, for everybody right now and everybody has their different metric of, you know, this is stressful. Maybe life was great and a little bit of stress makes it go over the edge and, you know, I'm not discounting anybody's level of stress. But I was just sort of taken aback. Like I I was so preoccupied with my kids' school and being sad about sports and my grandma's 96 and I'm not sure when I'll see her again. And then I read this Artic- actually I don't remember if it was an article that I read or if I saw it on the news but I it just it hit me really hard like I have a very nice safe place to be and that maybe can be enough for right now you know the we'll get through the hard parts but for some people it, it's it's a lot lot worse so thank you for what you're doing and making it feel approachable for those people women and men who have reached out and felt like they could can you tell me a little bit about well, what you can tell me about the confidentiality factor. If there's a woman or man listening right now and um, they're in this situation and not sure what to do, I, I know a lot of what I have heard is that there is some fear of reaching out. So how do you, what what, what measures are put into place to make that safe and comfortable for people?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I mentioned earlier on 24-hour hotline, which mm-hmm. is, Probably the the best way of getting in touch with us. There's that's always answered by either a member of staff or a trained volunteer, okay. and we can we can provide anybody you know step by step help through that. So whether it's the person themselves who are experiencing it, or whether it's a family member or a friend who wants to get information, we can we can walk through that with them so you know a lot of times this is a process and what we can what we see is somebody reaching out initially saying mm-hmm. i don't have long I've, I've got 10 minutes to talk this is what's happening what should i do and we really try to get them as much information as possible as to what their options are and how to go about it and how to do it in as safe a way as possible. So when they, if they, if, if and when they're ready to leave, they can call us and we can walk through the steps with them how they how they get to us and we can also help walk through with them a safety plan as to how they can manage you know their their life for now and how they can manage to make that call when they're ready to do that.
0: So it sounds like that initial first step is just make the call. It doesn't have to mean you're packing your bag and you're leaving. Just make the call, gather some information, and, you know, go from there. But that first step sounds, you know, just to have the courage to do that. Yes. It doesn't yes. mean like you're making a decision right now. You're just information gathering?
1: It's a confidential call. We're, we're not taking personal information. The information doesn't go anywhere else. And we're really there just to, as they say, impart the information to help people make their own decisions, not up to us to decide whether they need to leave or not. Sure. Only, only they can decide that and really helping them do it in a, in a way that's the safest way for them.
0: And what is that phone number that people can call, or is, and even I'm sure more information on a website mm-hmm. they could go to?
1: Yes, you can go to our website at shelterforhelpinemergency.org, and our crisis hotline is 434 293 8509.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you for that, and I know you know your role has more to do with with fundraising. And mm-hmm. so, for that other group of people who's listening and thinking, you know, what can how can I help? I don't need the service, but I I now I'm hearing you, I really want to help. Are there? I know everything's so difficult right now with fundraising. You can't have mm-hmm. events, but I'd like to hear a little bit about your current needs and maybe if there are past large fundraisers that people can look to in coming years when we can get back to to those sorts of things
1: absolutely thank you for asking that certainly if you go on our website you can get a lot more information there you can okay. also donate through our website if if you're wanting to support us with financially which is always very welcome i might say. <laughs> so you can do that through the websites you can mail us a check you can call us at our administrative office and let us know if you're not comfortable um donating online that's that's fine
0: sometimes people think writing a check isn't doesn't feel like they're doing and it's too easy right they're not doing enough they want to gather things you might need and bring Uh them over but with covid and everything else going on i think and your understanding of what the shelter and what the people you support need, it sounds like a monetary donation really is, although it's, it is easy, it's also what's needed right now. Is that
1: correct? I would say so. Yes, that's true. I mean, we, we also welcome, we have a wish list up on the website if so Great. We okay. would to purchase items for us. Like most people or my, most organisations, I should say, we're we're looking for sanitising pro- product and things like that, which of course can be hard to come by. But uh,
0: I can't find any. If I find some, I'll buy some for
1: both of us. <laughs> so I know that's uh, that's challenging. If if people wanted to know where to drop things off, they can do that at our administrative office in Stainton Place. Okay. That's just off Whitewood Road, oh. high school. And also we do have volunteer opportunities. And during, you know, the early part of COVID, we did stop our volunteer activities, but we are resuming those now. And volunteer activities sort of split into two areas, as you kind of touched on. You can either volunteer to do direct work with our people in the okay. in the residential program or if that isn't something you feel comfortable with you can work with us on fundraising events you know <laughs> as you say challenging at the moment mm-hmm. but going forward we are we hope to be moving forward with those we have a 5k coming up that's going to be a virtual 5k you can find out more about that on the website so if if somebody's a runner yeah they can do their run and at the same time raise some money for us with that event
0: see now i know oh, i've seen a lot of these virtual 5k's and i was thinking oh i don't have to run but you're saying we should still
1: run <laughs> 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 you can walk okay okay <laughs> We have us. We're we're planning also a similar activity in terms of golf. Um oh, okay. We have an annual golf event, which we're hoping. It usually runs in June, so okay. we, we have fingers crossed at the moment that we will do a a golf event in June. But we are also planning again a, a virtual golf event, which is a sort of interesting idea. Yeah, it's for people who are playing golf and they can, in essence, make a donation. So do your usual golf, make a donation to us in the form of a registration fee and submit your score, and you'll go into a competition. So you could be playing, you know, you could be playing in in Farmington, you could be playing at a golf course in New York, you could be playing at a golf course in Europe, it doesn't matter play, register, submit your score, and you go into our competition and for like a prize. That's the time raise some money.
0: I like that. You know, this is if fundraising and events are, are although they're tricky right now, I think if we can also look at them as opportunities to do something really different. Like what you okay. described is pretty neat. You can call up your family from all over the country and say, let's all pick this if it's the same day, different day pick this day to go golf and donate and in a normal situation you wouldn't be able to do that together with people who are distant so that I I applaud you for that creative solution is the design house something I remember going to that a few times is that something that you think will be able to happen again or is that one of you know on the fundraising
1: list you know it's interesting that you you Um, Bring that because, yes, we had run Design House for a number of years, and it was a wonderful event for us. We loved doing it, and we saw many, many people through that event. It was a great fundraiser. We put it on hold actually just before COVID, um, and we theoretically we would have been having a Design House this year, so I I will admit that I'm breathing a sigh of relief that we (laughs) had. embarked on it because we start work on that you know in december of the year before Mm -hmm. so if it had had to be cancelled which it would have been that would have been a, a a huge loss so in some ways i'm glad we put it on hold for now you know will we do it in the future maybe hopefully it was a it was a Great event. For now, we're we're focusing on golf because we can do that, right? Uh, and, and that's working for us. But I would certainly put out there that if anybody in the area has a house they'd like to loan to us once we're
0: <laughs> yeah
1: that would work for us, then we'd be happy to talk. Yeah, is is
0: that in the Charlottesville? Albemarle area? Or are you willing to kind of go a little further out? What works? We,
1: best? Yeah, we generally keep it within the Charlottesville Albemarle area, just because of, you know attracting enough people to come visit. Once really? we start going too far out, then it it tends to um, not attract so many people. So. Mm-hmm. And it's
0: such a well done event. I was sad to when I realized that COVID would probably impact it because no. just everything from the shuttle service, and then people were so nice, shuttling you over, and the volunteers in the house, and I don't know if my husband loved it because I'd come home and have all these ideas <laughs> of what I wanted to do. <laughs> but I real I really did enjoy that event quite a bit. So hopefully, mm-hmm. there's a way to bring it back, and this year I'll just. Tell my husband he can play golf instead. It's his year to yes. have a, a day to enjoy and,
1: and fundraise. Yes. We would love to have you on a, with a golf team. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, you wouldn't love to have me. Maybe you would, because everyone would feel really good about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but my husband, for sure, he, he's always yeah. wanting to get out on the golf course. Um,
1: <laughs> And
0: And I will say I I would like to thank you because my Monday was not off to the best start. Maybe not, you know... For awful reasons, just hard to do virtual school when you forget your laptop, which my son did. Hard to to leave the house when the dog's hidden your daughter's sneakers. Just regular Mondays, like kind of things, nothing awful, but enough to make you want to start the day over. And when I met with you this morning to drop off the check, I mean, they're really they say, you know, giving does turn your day around if you're having a bad day. And um meeting you t- this morning and doing that really did turn my day around. So thank you. It put everything into perspective and it motivated me to want <laughs> to do more you. of that. So hopefully people listening, you know, if you're having a bad day for whatever reason, make a donation to shelter for help in emergency. It'll
1: clear you up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. And please thank all of the people who contributed to that that donation oh, yeah so absolutely we were we were your, happy
0: to yeah. do that you know when we started the avenue to happiness it was the community who said we want to give money where can we give money and you know we gave them a couple options okay. i had just read the article i've referenced a couple times and thought well this is a perfect place and you know obviously the community agreed and and uh, made some donations so thank you to the charlottesville community uh, and thank you to you sarah for taking time to talk to me today okay thank you bye-bye Thank you for listening to Charlottesville Connected, sponsored by Avenue Realty. To listen to more episodes
1: from those in our community, visit avenuerealtygroup.com. We hope to connect with you again real soon.